Hello and welcome to the School of Innovation podcast. I'm your host, Yaniv Korem, and today I'm joined by my good friend and fellow MIT alum, Daniel Rosenberg. Daniel is a designer of innovative spaces, products, and tangible technologies that merge our increasingly disconnected digital and physical experiences. He is the creator of a design method that combines mindful awareness and human-computer interaction. He truly embodies the MIT vision-driven, interdisciplinary, and hands-on culture of R&D and design. He is a researcher, collaborator, educator, team leader, and so much more. So please welcome Daniel Rosenberg. Daniel Rosenberg, welcome to the School of Innovation. Hello, thanks for having me. <laughs> How are you doing, my friend? I'm good, I'm good. I'm excited about talking to you today. Likewise, likewise. We don't get to do this often, and when we record it, it's even better. <laughs> There's more pressure to say smart stuff. <laughs> we'll see what we can say. Yeah. <laughs> it's better to forget. It's better to forget that we are recording. Exactly. Look, the internet has a, has a short memory and podcasts, you know, they come and go. So hopefully we won't make, uh, uh, you know, too much of a jackasses out of ourselves and, and people will get some value from this episode. I want to actually, before we get started, I want to give some context to our listeners and mention uh, episode number nine with our good friend, Christine Utram, who is today the CEO of Everyday. And the reason I mentioned that episode, uh, dear listeners, is if that on that episode, if you haven't listened to it, uh, Christine and I talk about a certain Daniel Rosenberg. And that same Daniel Rosenberg is the Daniel Rosenberg who's on this episode of the School of Innovation. So I'm very happy. And what we talk about there and what uh, and sort of just to frame the conversation today, is this idea that you and Daniel and that Daniel and I, and I had that um, architects are perhaps or could be potentially become exceptional entrepreneurs. And we're trying being architects ourselves, and the three of us, you, Daniel, myself, and Christine, have all started in architecture, our background is in architecture, but none of us is engaged in architecture today in sort of like the, the classic sense, right? We don't design buildings or structures or anything like that. And so we started talking about that as why did that happen and how come what we learned in architecture school um you know has has uh, has translated or we've been able to apply it so well into other disciplines specifically i think innovation and entrepreneurship there's something there that i think is interesting to explore so with that in mind i introduce you thank my you. good friend daniel rosenberg one one clarification though i take architecture currently as kind of my hobby, I would say. So, <laughs> so I still, I love architecture and still on the side, like I, I don't take it to be my main, you know, work, but I've been, for example, I just finished designing a building, a, a house extension for a client, which is kind of like on the side. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. You still yeah. engage in architecture design. Uh, I, no, but this is to me, no, it's like, uh, you know, some people that I know. So it's not like, you know, I, I don't get project. paid. I don't get paid too much. It's more like it's more like it's more like you know like a hobby to me. I I really like it, and I think it's something that I don't feel like. I don't know. I don't feel that is something on my past that I don't want to relate to it again. I think it's just something there that I like doing, and I I I, uh, I don't know. I feel like uh, connected to, and it's fun. So. Uh, but then also wanted to say that I, I, I listened to your podcast with Christine and really, really, really nice to hear you guys talking about uh, your story and Christine's story. And, and, and as you said, I mean, we have very nice memories uh, studying together at MIT and talking about 
uh, entrepreneurship, innovation, and architecture uh, constantly when we talk. Um, so I think that was maybe some of the context of why we are kind of formalizing this today through today's podcast. So I'm, I'm happy to connect with that conversation. Um, although I think Christine took a, a, a very d- different road that, that I've taken. but uh, Yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. And we're, we're going to get to that. And um, and I think we're going to explore some of the same things, I guess, but at some point we're going to diverge. And um, and I really want to dig into, you know, uh, things like the state of architectural studies today, like what's what's happening in architecture today and how people study it. Um, why, you know, why would you want to learn architecture um what can you do with an architecture degree like i'm i'm assuming that even today this was the this was the issue back then but even today like you know there's a huge inventory of architects there isn't possibly enough work for all of them so they either work for basically nothing right just to get the experience or they're stuck doing something else so i want to explore all these things okay yeah, definitely. But yeah. before we get started, yeah. uh, walk our listeners through your experience, your background. You, you're originally from Chile. I'm originally from Israel. Oh, my God. Okay. But then, yeah, but then I moved to Chile when I okay. was four. So I, my accent is mixing up a little bit of the Israeli accent and the Latin American Spanish accent. Hmm? So yeah, so in Chile, in Chile, I would have more of a Israeli accent. I cannot pronounce the R's, for example. But, really, I did not know that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, um, yeah. So basically, yeah, I come from these two worlds. But I would say I lived most of my life in Chile, um, and then uh, I, I guess I studied architecture at the Catholic University there which is a very good architecture school, very traditional architecture school. For example, Alejandro Agavena, who is, you know, a preacher, um, you know, ar- traditional architect, uh, is Chilean, and it's a good school, I will say. Um, and I think I have a good foundation. And also, when I studied there, we had, you know, I went through the transition uh, into, you know, the uh, computer-aided design. So I learned most of it by, you know, drafting and hand uh, you know, hand, hand, uh, you know, and the craft of making things by hand, and then also the the computational side. But then I got bored, I will say, and uh, <laughs> I guess I will kind of jump from being in love with architecture and being bored of it. But I got bored from you know being designing buildings, I will say, and I got you know I was looking for other things to do. And uh, I found this program at MIT, which was the design and computation program, which I got really excited about because it was, it, it seems to be kind of like a door that of course started from the architecture, but connected with other things uh, like the, for example, the media lab uh, uh, type of work. Um, so I was very excited about going there and I did my master and PhD, I stayed for PhD. And uh, I kind of got really into kind of like almost I felt like I, I started over and I, I started a new a new thing, but I got interested in analog and digital electronics. Um, but then I got my interest got involved with um, uh, into, you know, experience design, but maybe a little bit different to what people I, I, I got interested in experience before I realized there was a field that it was kind of growing at that time in the context of UX, you know, the user experience right. design world. Interaction design, yeah. Exactly. Um, but I, I was more interested in, you know, what is the experience of the designs that we create and in connection to the experience of the design process. So that was my PhD um, was kind of thinking through the process and, uh, and tools to kind of aid uh, designers, not only architects, I'll say designers, to think about their experience as, the, as they are designing something for other people's experience. Um, right. You, know, you were going very, deep I, into I, I went, knowledge. You were went, going deep. 
I went really deep into, you know, I got to, you know, I realized the experts in experience are, you know, are the Buddhists. So I got into Vipassana <laughs> and I, I, I incorporated the, the you know, um, I started going to the Cambridge Inside Meditation Center. That I remember. Yeah. And I, I, most of the background on my dissertation was kind of weird because it related things coming from the Vipassana, you know, tradition and uh, electronics and, you know, the, the way people were talking in the technology world about user experience. So... Um, who, was your, who was your advisor? Remind me for the PhD. Uh, was George Steiny. Steiny? Uh, yeah. And then uh, really important to me, Edith Ackerman, uh, who unfortunately yes. died a couple of years ago. She was really great. Right. Um, and then Terry Knight was really supportive, uh, was also yeah. part of this. Um, and then after graduating, I guess I was looking for options outside, of course, architecture. And I was a little bit bored of the academic world. So I joined uh, a small little group of, um, of Media Lab people, like a design studio in Brooklyn. And it was kind of like, you know, like a service at that time, working for for also like art installations, things like that. Very, you know, in a very, you know, like in an avant almost abandoned building in Brooklyn with, a, you know, very interesting, interesting people. But then somehow we got a, a couple of larger projects and we start growing. And after a couple of years, we, I, when I started, we were three people. Then we became twenty-five people. The company was called Midnight Commercial, and we were kind of, we found ourselves growing and getting larger projects but we didn't know what we were doing from the i would say from the business perspectives um and then a couple of we were doing projects for target like a future robotic store for target we were working for google ara developing like a one of like a mini mini aquarium with living organisms inside your smartphone type of thing but then also uh, uh once some of this project ended or or completed or or whatever, we did not know how to survive and we grew too much. And then basically, I think uh, we had to close up, close the doors. And, and then that was it. It was a great experience, I will say, learning. Uh, I became a partner of this company and head of design. And I find myself managing teams, dealing, you know, with, you know, budgets and scope of works and things like that. So it's a different model from a startup model. You know, it's not the same. Right. It's the agency model. Yeah. Yes, I would say we were in a, a mix between an experiential agency, but we also try to provide external R&D to companies. Like the, the Target and the Google projects were basically external R&D for those companies. You're exploring things with those brands on the edges of their business, right? This was not part of their core business. There was kind of exploratory projects on the edges of the business. And so when when funding became sort of an issue, which happens in a lot of these cases, you know, we were seeing it now with COVID-19, typically those projects are the ones that get, you know, terminated first, right? Yeah, and that happened, I will say, with the Target project and then also with the Google project, that same thing happened. Uh, yeah, they change sometimes, you know, there's a change on, on some vision for the company. And, they, they, you know, I, th I think they cut all their innovation type of projects at, at, at that time. And one of those was this robotic store, which, which, which was about to get built. I mean, it was like a brick and mortar building with all, you know, technologies and different, you know. Embedded inside. Right? And, yeah, exactly. And, you know, all the, and we were kind of, I guess also we work a little bit as a consultant in a way, but um, but yeah, so then I think this was not a sustainable business model for us. It was really, really hard to get these big projects. Um, later, I've learned the mistakes we, we made and uh, the type of project we maybe should have been doing as a way to also get, you know, keep us alive. Um, right, keep the doors open. Yeah. Exactly. But after that, I, I I went back, so I I got okay bored of of practice, and I I kind of wanted to come back to academia. So on the one hand, I kept myself, you know, as a consultant, and I've been involved with certain projects. Um, but I also started teaching at the 
um, at RPI, at the Center of Architecture, Science and Technology, called CASE in Brooklyn, uh, where I'm also, you know, um, I started an initiative about human-computer interaction and the built environment. And we are also building a new entrepreneurship program for, for architects. So this is kind of like a new a new space for me to explore, which is aligned with what we're going to be discussing in this. That's in amazing. This yeah. And then I'm doing consultant work for, you know, I've been somehow got into the entertainment space uh, with uh, working with uh, some companies on, again, very big projects um, for um, what they call location-based entertainment. And it's uh, an easy way to explain this is kind of a mix between Disney and Broadway, basically combining musicals with with immersive, you know, experiences, interactive spaces um, that people go and, and explore and want to kind of listen to like a musical, but at the same time live live within that space. That's the whole, you know, the whole cycle going from academia. That's incredible, to man. Practice to academia. To <laughs> I'm, as you as you as you're talking about the stuff that you do, I'm thinking, man, I should talk to this guy more often. I mean, he's <laughs> he's like doing so much stuff. Um, okay, I literally could not keep track of all the stuff that you're uh, that you're currently doing or have done and are doing, but it's amazing. I, I want to sort of try to refocus our conversation around this point that you mentioned, and maybe it, it connects to what you're doing at Case. Um, it sounds like um, this place of um, creative economy, creative leadership slash entrepreneurship, like where you know architecture meets entrepreneurship. But I think I will talk about design and entrepreneurship more than architecture because, um, and this is some of the thing we, I think we probably were going to discuss, but I see architects as designers more than architects. Um, or I, I think, I think the, uh, I don't know, even the notion, architecture is not a verb. You cannot architect. It's not. It's not like design. You architect. Yeah. Yeah. You cannot. I mean, maybe you can. I don't know. But it's not very. It's not used much. I would say. And basically, architects design, and and they people may think that they design buildings, and they do design buildings. But one of the things that I I learned from my own experience and from my teaching and also my professional experience that the architects are really. I I don't know. Whenever I have a team, a design team, that really great designers and they can engage in, in I mean I can have I mean not to talk bad about other design disciplines but I have even you know user experience designers or interaction designers in, in, in some of the projects that I'm engaged with engage with and architects really kind of they don't have any problem in engaging this in this type of projects. Really? I mean, They're much more they, versatile? Yeah and, and they can even um I don't want to say that they could be better because maybe the type of projects that I do are kind of like mixed. Dude, you can say that. You can say that. We want to piss off all the other designers <laughs> no, and we're on the side of architects. Yes, you can say that. Go ahead. Okay. I'm giving you permission. I'll say it. So in my teams, uh, usually the architects that I bring to my teams, are, they excel other designers. Um, and uh, maybe They're so much better than all the other designers. Yeah. And maybe not much... <laughs> Not much because of the design itself, but the way they deal with the process. Because they um, usually in the projects that I engage with, and a lot of this type of innovation, I would imagine projects when you don't know what you're creating before you start. Right? It's kind of like a weird, and people get really anxious if you go to a team and tell them, "Okay, guys, we need to build." something but i don't know what it is and we need to try things out they are like i don't know what tell us what to build you know tell us do you need us to build this you know like you know an app or something you know um and i think that's one part that i think architects are used to deal with that uncertainty and then there's this space also of 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 a collaboration and, and, and openness to feedback. They, I think they're trained so, in architecture school, they're trained so much to present things and get destroyed by <laughs> the reviews that they, they don't take things personally. 
Yes. Um, and sometimes when I work with other designers, they, I mean, I'm trying to tell them, look, this is not about you. You, I know you worked a lot, but this is not the right thing to do. And we need to do it again, right? It's not, there's nothing wrong with doing it again. That's the way the design process works, right? Iterations. Um, yeah. Iteration and, you know, trying things, failing, trying it again, um, presenting things to the team or to the clients and getting feedback and, and keep moving. Um, and architects, I'll say through their education, that's what they basically learn. To me, they learn that process of going through the process of creating something new through iteration and being able to uh, uh, deal with uncertainty, uh, get, uh, you know, uh, take feedback and improve. Um, and, and this is not an easy thing. And um, some other designers or, or engineers have a hard time with that. They want... And they struggle because they keep telling the designer, you told me that the, you know, the hardware, the software should be doing this. And now you told me that should be doing something different. <laughs> and you said, okay, that's fine. That's the way it should go. I think you got, you're onto something interesting here with the crits, like with uh, the charrettes or crits or critiques or whatever you want to call them, where like for the listeners who haven't, and I'm assuming it's all of them who haven't uh, went, who didn't go to architecture school, which is perfectly fine, by the way. We don't have, we're not, you know, we're not biased. We're not. Um, we have a lot of bad things to say about architecture school. We have a lot of bad things to say about architects. Yes, just yeah. just stick with us for for a minute here. But this, and uh, and like in when you study architecture, your main. Um, course or main activity is the studio is where you are presented with different design challenges and you're supposed to research them and come up with solutions and 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 at the end of the day come come uh, up with a design that responds to all or most of the design challenges uh, or the design challenge uh, and then you're supposed to present it like through the whole process, you're presenting everything that you do every single uh, time you're in the studio to your advisors. But at the end of the semester uh, or the end of the project, where, whatever that may be, um, you stand in front of everyone and stand in front of the studio. Usually there's a panel and you present your case. Right, you you present your solution, you present how you got to that solution, you present everything, and what proceeds to happen is you get, I'll say it politely, you get a lot of feedback. Typically, it's 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 very harsh. The process that is really interesting is the desk crit, where you basically um, work through where your professor um, exactly kind of like a mentor, you know, like um, like you you meet with them and show them your work as you are as you are do as you are creating the work. Exactly. So exactly. Yeah, it's an interesting space of you know a kind of which is the same way it happens where you are developing a project in in the company where I was uh, the head of design. I will have to do the same thing with the designers, right? To sit with them ask them to show me what they are building, tell them, you know, maybe try this in, a, in this way, um, you know, uh, giving them feedback. So it becomes this, you, know, you have this, this larger, you know, crits um, or like reviews and then smaller ones within, uh, you know, the day or the week um, uh, constantly. Yeah. Yes. We used to have them twice. Uh, like we went, we had studio on Sundays and, uh, and Wednesdays. So twice a week. We had studio. It's like it took the entire day, like from morning till night, usually. And yes, you'd have these desk crits, desk crits and reviews, and and sometimes the the professor, advisor, whatever, would uh, would would get a, a like if there was something interesting in your project to talk about, he may like bring a couple of other people, other students you know, together and like use you <laughs> for better or worse as an example for something that, you know, they want to discuss. Yeah. The other thing is interesting from the studio model, which is basically a project-based model, which has become more relevant, I think, today and, and used in other, you know, that's the model of the MIT Media Lab, for example, I will say, uh, is the idea that, Although there is some sort of ask at the beginning, it's very general, and actually the the, the the teacher or the professor of the of the studio doesn't really know 
what he he or she wants um, and, and and basically there's some general topic and then basically the students with a, of course with the with the professor end up you know creating these these products that are also you can have like three or four amazing and the best projects and they could be different from each other so you it's not really you know like limiting the space of of of, of design or inquiry or inquiry around a, a specific solution to a problem actually you know like it's much more open and this doesn't have to be you know like a predefined solution to a problem or something like that that i've also been teaching innovation um, to you know business students or engineers and they usually they are very problem solving oriented so they want to know what the problem is and they want to solve it in a very you know linear way um, and because they address the problem that way you can have different people working and they are going to come up with very similar solutions um, uh, whereas in the context of a more open-ended design process it's more about setting up the problem or, or opportunities open up new spaces for things for different things to happen uh, and in that context, different, you know, you, you're creating worlds. So in a way you are, you know, kind of, you know, coming up with, it's more more, more important to ask the, the right questions than to find the, 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 the answers to predefined questions. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's take a pause here because um, I want to touch on a subject um, that I think is super relevant here and something that I think a lot of people misunderstand or misinterpret which is this idea of design thinking. And I'm sure you've heard of it, right? It's sort of a sort of like this huge buzzword. So relating to what you just said, I think this idea of design thinking and what I think people don't understand is that, yes, it's structured as a linear process, right? It's a process that aims to bring people from point A to point B, right? in a very structured way, but it has nothing to do with reality or how reality works. It doesn't work like that. It's never a linear process, a very structured process. And I'd even go a step further and say that design thinking is, it's sort of a meta, meta theory for, um, you know, how to apply design tools and methodologies to let's say you know business problems but it's not it's not like a recipe i think um, on the one hand i think one of there's something very really great that happened because of design thinking is that they they um, these people that basically are coming from the business world put design the word design at the core of this you know this approach and i think it it, it turns you know the interest on on Again, I think on the design process and designers. Yeah, but not really. What happens at the end is that, you know, they try to cram this uh, into a workshop, like this whole process of, you know, empathy up to uh, blah, 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 into a, a workshop, of, a week long workshop. And at the end of that, they come up with shitty solutions and they're like wondering why that thing happened because they're missing the whole open-endedness of the process. This whole, let's explore different spaces and find ways to connect the dots, da, 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 and all of that. No, I was just saying that in the context of more like a, you know, almost political or social context in which, you know, like certain universities or companies are being more interested in design lately. And I personally have experienced that and I get invited to business to teach design to business schools, which has never happened before. And people got interested somehow in design because of design thinking. It's a very, it has been a very good marketing, you know, um, slogan for designers. Um, but you're right about their process as a, a process that I would say in a way is strange because they have this linear process and they kind of try to, you know, make the process explicit, which I also appreciate they're, they're trying to do that, but I think they don't realize that that whenever they go through that process, they actually, they're not really actually doing what they say they're doing. I will say the, 
that rule rules or a set of instructions allow them to feel more comfortable with this uncertainty that I was telling you before. Yes. Kind of, it's almost like a placebo for them to <laughs> feel, okay, we, we are going through this. We're in step three where all is good. There's no problem. They, they, yeah, know, where are we? Where are we? You're we in know step what, three. We Don't know worry. Four, four is, right? But in the process, <laughs> things happen. And because they are doing things, they're going to come up with something they did not expect. And they're going to, you know, I will say yes. that the more successful uh, design thinking processes will probably kind of uh, change on, you know, or, or like go uh, out of that linear process to, to come up with something different that they were maybe trying to do. And then they will not be able to, you know, be aware that the tools that they are using are, are kind of allowing them to move, to make a line on the white page, right? You need to be, you need to be brave to make that line on the white page. Um, so you can, so they can get it started, but then the process actually, they're not going through the process that they think they're going through. In a way it works kind of, and, and it, it helps these people that were scared of design, business people, engineers to kind of go and do it. Uh, I do like to think about design as design doing more than design thinking. <laughs> design thinking. Yeah. The thinking part, it, it, that's also kind of, uh, an issue with designers uh, or creative people and that there's a, there, you know, there's a tendency to, to think perhaps too much and then, uh, and then not execute or, or like, you know, mess up on the execution. And discover new unexpected things through doing. Yes. More than, like, I, I, I like to give the example of, a, of a following a recipe. So if I follow up a recipe, I won't be able to make anything new. Right, I will just okay. I pick up the recipe for matzo ball soup, you know, <laughs> and then you make the matzo ball soup, and and your actually your intention is to is of replicating that recipe. Uh-huh. When I deal more with the ingredients or with the process, and I trust on you know, or like throwing things into water, some carrots, some you know, some chicken there, and like mixing it up and and testing it and doing it and testing it. Mm-hmm. I may come up with something different than a matzo ball soup or like a chicken soup, whatever. And then I will have to give it a name and I will give it all these things. Then they have to be named and then you can sell them. And then you can say, look, I created the chicken, whatever. Right. And then you open up a store in Brooklyn and get famous. And <laughs> people want to make nice to get the, that thing. And then, you know, the recipe doesn't take you too far. The recipe doesn't take you too far, but you write like a recipe is IP, right? So you, you own, you own the IP, you own the recipe. After the fact, you can always write the recipe at the end. Yes, that's right. You can, at the end, you can always write the specs and the IP for your product, but to get there, you need to go through that doing process. Mm-hmm. What they teach in architecture school today, uh, you, you're closer to this than I am. I assuming it hasn't changed that much am i wrong it doesn't change okay. i mean okay I, I i went to architecture school in chile i don't know a long time ago i don't i don't even want to know calculate the years <laughs> now i teach studio at the rpi school of architecture um, I, I take a different perspective to the studio, but I see and I go to reviews to other studios and I don't see, apart from people using, you know, the computers to make 3D models and renders, mm-hmm. which I don't, or 3D or like, um, you know, um, cam like to, you know, to laser cut pieces or whatever. Yeah. Um, or algorithmic, any, algorithmic architecture or anything like that, like stuff that's generated by computers. That, yeah, but that's, that doesn't really change anything. I mean, yeah. maybe the facade will be a little more, it will be like a, some curvature, like double curvature on the facade. But it's, at the end, mm-hmm. I don't see how that has changed. Um, I, I actually, I think, yeah, it's not. The, I think one of my problems with architecture school is the idea that maybe it's the opposite of design thinking. I think what what these architects are te- they, they're teaching, they don't know. That what they are teaching and they think they're teaching how to design buildings mm. I think they're teaching how to design period <laughs> and, it just happens to be buildings exactly <laughs> it, 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 and, and it's great you, you, but I think if you 
stop before the building is there's so much more interesting well well, well, well yeah but, but hold on a second i'm going to challenge you on this I, i i agree with what you're saying to a certain extent but the fact that let's let's substitute building for space right okay so they are designing not just designing but they're designing in space so there's a spatial um, visual kind of aspect to it more than visual spatial aspect to it that i think is very very valuable it just happens to be you know for, for buildings but like i don't know about you but when we were studying when i was studying architecture we were also studying urban design so you can think about a city right as a different kind of space so thinking in 3d sometimes in 4d right and like in, in in spatial terms i think it's valuable i wouldn't dismiss that yeah yeah definitely and it's definitely give you um, a way of looking at the world and yes. a way of being able to you know understand you know space and And also materials, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. uh, and light and light and, and and some user experience is very limited compared to, you know, the way user experience is understood in the technology world. Mm-hmm. But there is some idea that, you know, people are going to walk through a space and you kind of are able to put yourself in that space and right. design around that experience. Right. Uh, it's, 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 yeah. Of course, and there's also the context of you know the program and mm-hmm. and the functionality you know and the structure and the materials which can be translated to other other products and not only buildings mm-hmm. uh, but definitely you're right yes space and uh, and maybe place I yes. like that word a little bit better yeah uh, it's definitely you know like uh, and and that's maybe the connecting tissue with the type of thing that I like doing. Uh, in the in the technology and the innovation or entrepreneurship world in the context of thinking about new technologies out of the the limit of the flat two-dimensional screen mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of all over and taking that uh, into space you know yeah to you know into new materials into new ways exactly. for humans interact with the computers um, through you know the walls or you know objects in space um, uh, colors that can change uh, non-emissive displays sensors. right time time the fourth dimension things are trans- transient right it's temporal like things change uh, I think that's yeah. something that people uh, a lot of times neglect when they when they design. Yeah, but also I think like this very limited like jumping to the te- to the technology world where mm-hmm. we are we don't see that we live in a paradigm that was created uh, a user a human computer interaction paradigm where technology is thought f- as a screen and there, it's very hard yeah. to take that out like we think about technology today mostly mm-hmm. from the user perspective mostly as you know either a laptop with you know this things that you click and this thing that you move that we call a mouse and a yeah. screen with pixels and a speaker and we don't realize that that was designed by someone that way for us to relate with the to the computer was kind of designed and then you have of course uh, you know the little computer with you carry with you which is basically just a smaller version of the same thing which we call a smartphone but it's basically again maybe you mm-hmm. can touch the screen but apart from that it's pretty much the same Um, and then taking that out into the space and into the place is something that I'm interested in and I think architecture has a lot to say in that space and we see that the, the industry I think is is looking into that direction mm-hmm. like I don't know Amazon is buying whole food market you know yeah. Google you know is interested into the into the physical and uh, the physical world mm-hmm. and, and and I think a lot of things are going to happen in that space but unfortunately architects and architecture is not being part of that conversation and it's still you know siloed in this you know studio environment talking about you know Le Corbusier and you know these rocks that architects from the past and you know like creating these buildings and they don't see that they could be a contribution into that conversation of you know how space is being transformed today and in the f- in the future through this 
new technologies that are coming out of you know of the the flat screen into you know the the objects and materials around us yeah i agree so let's let's try to i'll i'll recap a little bit and then let's try to be helpful okay uh so in terms of like recapping uh, we said that um, architecture studies today, architecture schools are essentially stuck, still stuck in the old paradigm of architectural design, right? But they do teach a lot of uh, valuable, I, I guess it's a mindset, it's a, it's a, it's a set of skills, it's a, a suite or a package of things that are very relevant to a lot of other disciplines in the world today. Uh, apart from architecture, but still there's a sort of the, this, um, I guess, fascination as an architecture student with becoming a Le Corbusier or like another star architect to those architecture students who might be, they're not, but let's pretend that they're listening to this podcast. What, how can we be helpful? Like, what can we um, advise or say or, you know, to get them to shift their focus or at least explore different disciplines and become part of that, as you said, like the new conversation? What can we, how can we help them? I think it's, it's always good for them to, you know, it's, it's, it's fine to want to go to, you know, to an architectural firm and they can do that, definitely. But uh, I will say that they should um, also recognize themselves as designers, focus on what they know and what they know to do and their skills, um, and see that that can be a contribution in other, in other disciplines and in other type of projects. Um, uh, for example, this new, as, as we talked uh, before, this new disciplines, design discipline and user experience design, interaction design mm-hmm. uh, that are emerging. Um, or positions for architects within, you know, experiential agencies or within, you know, labs at Google or like positions that require someone to think about the space in the context of different type of products or services. Yeah. Um, so I w- my advice would be for them to probably some of them will be, you know, creating their portfolios and looking for, you know, jobs mm-hmm. to kind of step back a little bit. And of course, you can always present these buildings that you design for studio and all that, but like also show a little bit their thinking process and their skills and open up to other opportunities. And I forgot to mention that within that, you know, a space of opportunity, of course, the idea of being an entrepreneur could be definitely mm-hmm. an option. Today, I think there's a bunch of opportunities uh, for designers to be, you know, engage either uh, in projects with the or built environment, you know, startups and, uh, you know, and there's like uh, funding, you know, supporting projects that will have an impact on, on the city, yeah. on, the, on, on the space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, this is going to happen. People yeah. are going to be doing developing these uh, products um, and then uh, I think architects are the, the ones that should be part of this conversation and should be you know open to go and look for those opportunities mm-hmm. uh, and of course there's always you can always you know then also also work in, in, in architectural firms that by the way also architectural firms started integrating innovation uh, you know labs within their practices and there's another place there to you know become a leader and become someone that you know participates in expanding the 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 scope of what an architecture firm can can provide as a service yeah and then you have all the you know research and educational side bunch of design schools that uh, i i think where architects are will be very well welcome to to you know contribute because there's they have like this you know skills that we were talking about yeah i think i would even say before you finish before you graduate you know from architecture school use that time to not just only focus on architecture but also explore other disciplines so yeah, take it, you know, do an internship at IDEO or Fjord or Frog or, you know, any one of those um, strategic design slash innovation agencies. I think that's super valuable. 
Um, because I think that at the end of the day, what they're missing is one is the context, right? Like you can apply your skills and mind, like your skills and mindset to other areas, other disciplines. So that context, I think they need to get that somewhere and they will only get it by stepping out of their own, you know, comfort zone, which is architecture and designing like in within those four walls. Um, yeah, and within the schools too, they they probably one of the, the the cool things about going to MIT is that remember that in our program we didn't have many requirements, so we were able to jump into you know yes. classes on science. You know, you, you, architects should learn how to program. I mean, that's something that is basic, basic, basic in today's world and in that's the future. True. Yeah, take courses in business school, in entrepreneurship. You know, learn about how to make a business plan, you know, learn. That's critical. That's the other thing I wanted to mention. Exactly. I think most of them are missing like the business of design. Like how do you take, how do you build a venture? Like, okay, you came up with the solution. Great. You presented it at a charrette or a crit, but then if it's good and you were getting good feedback, how do you turn that into a business? Exactly. And and I will say even knowing about the business from the beginning, it's also a good way to to start because then you just don't come up with something that is you know completely disconnected to the reality, mm-hmm. but could be you know in could be informed by you know certain markets or you know, yeah particular particular users or business opportunities exactly which are really could be a good starting point yeah. so it's not you know that you can you can always uh, bring it at the end but i think it's always good to have that from the beginning and even before that we can talk about also before you come to architecture school maybe you can think about that you want to use architecture school as a way for you to you know to get into and you can go through architecture school and design buildings but knowing that you're learning that how to design and you're learning other things yeah and like School could be a vehicle for you to become a great designer. Yeah. Maybe you want to end up being a fashion designer and then being, you know, a web designer later. Exactly. And, and today you're interested into that as mm-hmm. a, before going to school, but you can see that maybe one of the best design education that you can get, you can get it through going through architecture school. And I want to I want to say to the maybe perhaps some of our listeners are within um, corporates, right, large organizations, and are looking for that sort of talent. I would encourage you to go to your local architecture school or program, right, and sit through or sit in a crit, okay, a, a, this sort of review. And and listen to what's happening there. Observe, interact, and I think that if at some point you can create, um, you know, perhaps a pilot program of pulling in some of those students, that you can kind of see that they're, you know, they're um, they're sort of round, right, in in how they approach the discipline of architecture. So you can take them and fairly easily you know, shift their focus from architecture to what your business is trying to do, I would encourage you to do that. I would encourage you to start a program like that but because you're not going to regret it. I think those architecture students will be fantastic assets for what you're trying to do in your organization. Even walking around the studio and see how people, you know, how they're working in prototypes on their desk, yeah. you know, how they're showing things to each other, how the, the professor is walking around and giving feedback. It's yeah. a it's a very rich environment that if you think about it, the media lab, basically the Nicolas Negroponte, who, who came from the architecture machine and from the architecture school, replicated the architecture studio model, but without the buildings, right? Exactly. Like designing new technologies, but the media lab you know, if you walk around the media lab and people are like, oh, the media lab is amazing. It's basically an architecture school. <laughs> yeah. uh, where in the tables, instead of buildings, they have, you know, prototypes for different type of interfaces and technologies. And things That's like so that. true. That's so true. Yeah. So can you, sh- can you share like a-, a few things about what you're doing in a case with the, you know, entrepreneurship program for, for architects? Is, is there a program for that? It's really early on. Mm-hmm. I think the main 
effort that we're looking right now is that this program probably will be directed towards designers um, slash architects. So basically, a lot of the programs out there, out there for entrepreneurship is trying to teach basically design to non-designers. These programs, we, we want to focus on teaching entrepreneurs to or business to designers. So it's kind of the other way around. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so we need to think through that process of, you know, like it's not, the, it's not the design thinking process where, okay, we need to set up this, you know, this template so that business people feel comfortable with the design processes. Maybe we need to think about another template mm. for designers to feel f- comfortable with the business process. So it's, the, it, it's very early on to, to define how this is going to happen. But we think that uh, there's a bunch of opportunities and you are also working in that space on like all these students working on great projects and creating amazing ideas in the studios or at case we are kind of... It's not only about buildings. We also develop other type of, you know, technologies and things. Mm-hmm. And then you you wanna use those projects and maybe um, develop them as, you know, as a startup or, you know, as, you know, and get uh, applied to some uh, an accelerator, incubator, and, and and kind of connecting that process um, with your with the projects that you are kind of coming up with in your in your as you're being a student. That kind of like mm-hmm. kind of the space explore and we probably have like another two or three more hours of material to go through but uh, i think we're gonna we're gonna leave that to episode you know uh, future episode let's just leave it at that we need to do one with christine we need yes yes that's a great <laughs> idea although i think like she's too busy uh you know she's too important, she's, too important. she's yeah Maybe she can come in at the end and review our podcast, you know, give that feedback. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to send this to her and ask, like, this will be an episode in itself. Christine comments on Yaniv and Daniel talking shit about architecture. Exactly. <laughs> Could be made. Um, so listen, if people, uh, listeners want to get in touch with you, learn more about you, what's the best way Best way will be to send me an email. Um, I think that would be the easiest at uh, daniel at phantasma.tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be the, the best way to contact me. Okay. Yeah. Or come to Case at uh, Brooklyn. You can come. It's in Industry City in Brooklyn. There you go. And you can just come to, the, to our lab and say hi and see what we're doing over there. Yeah. We can go get some ramen. <laughs> perfect perfect now you're getting me excited and i wish i could get on a plane and come visit you and see what you're up to because it sounds amazing um and we will do that we will do that at some point so uh daniel i'm gonna put uh, i'm gonna put your email in the show notes uh thank you so much for being on the show today man thank you for inviting me i hope i didn't disappoint you you did not my friend <laughs> It's fine if you if I did. It's fine. <laughs> you don't care. <laughs>